When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Today is International Jazz Day, so we're celebrating four-time Grammy winner Snarky Puppy. I spoke with frontman Michael League when the group played an epic concert with the National Symphony Orchestra at the Kennedy Center in D.C. in 2017. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Now, uh, our listeners, a lot of them might not know, you're, you grew up right here in Virginia. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Fairfax County. I grew up in a, in a little town called Clifton. I mean, I grew up listening to T.O.P. and yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to be kind of coming home and playing a stage where I saw so many great artists perform in my childhood. That's so cool. All right, well, before we dive into the show, I, I would be remiss if I don't open by saying congrats, man, on, the, on your third Grammy here just on Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, yes. <laughs> kind of surreal still <laughs> yeah it's crazy what was that experience like because uh what it was in like the the pre-televised portion right yeah i think you know they save kind of like the the big categories for the primetime um airing but but yeah in in the pre the pre-tv show they do like kind of the, actually the majority of the grammys i think there's you know, it's like 70 or more categories that they do, yeah. Even if it wasn't on TV, it had to have been an insane experience and an honor. I mean, uh, you've won three before. Does it, does it ever get tiring? I Probably not. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Cause, so this was our third, um, and the first two that we won were for projects with special guests. So the first one was, a, you know, a, a charity record that we do for youth music education organizations called Family Dinner, um, and that featured Layla Hathaway on that song singing. And then the second Grammy was for a record that we did with the Metropole Orchestra performing Silva, which is actually the piece of music that we're performing with the NSO next week. Um, but both those records were like special projects, you know, and this was the first time that we ever won a Grammy for, for what we do kind of 99% of the time, which is just us the members of the band playing our music. So I think it was kind of extra sweet for everybody. The televised ceremony is in the Staples Center, you know, like the actual like arena, right. you know, and the um, the pre-TV portion is in like a, a like a really beautiful theater. Gotcha. It's actually more, it, it resembles more of an, an award ceremony. When you're at the actual Grammys, it's more like a basketball game. <laughs> yeah. <all laughs> because right. You're literally sitting in a basketball stadium. Right, right. Uh, actually, my, I, I and my whole band were in Miami because we, we just threw our very first music festival, which is called the Grammys. Up Music Festival, which nice. is the record label that I that I started several years ago. Um, so we were like on Miami Beach. I, I was actually on stage sound checking with a new band that I just started called Bocante. And like five minutes before we went on stage, there was kind of a roar from the crowd from people who were watching the ceremony on their phones. Gotcha. So I was like, I think we won a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. That's so great. Yeah. 
But had yeah. you had you been out there for the for the, your previous two wins? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The whole band went out both those times, and it's crazy, you know. I mean, I remember last year when we won for Silva. You know, they announce all the nominees, and then they say the winner, and and uh, and you're like kind of like expecting to hear. Uh, the name of the band or something, you know, and they and they said, and the winner is shit, and and I thought, oh, we lost, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then they went Silva by Snuggy Puppy, and we and we all like freaked out, and, you know, and we stormed the stage both both years, the first two years, we brought the whole band on stage, like twenty people, it was so funny, That's yeah, it was great. great. We're like the, I think we're like the misfits of the Grammys, you know, like the bad news bears. You know? <laughs> That's so great, yeah. but uh, all right, well, speaking of Silva, that. I I believe that's the concept that when you'll be playing right at Kennedy Center. That's that's what we're going to hear, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. In addition to a few other pieces of music, but yeah, largely that is it. Yeah. Are you going to play that start to finish? We are indeed. Yeah. It kind of doesn't really work any other way. It's like written kind of like a suite, so everything flows into each other. Gotcha. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's say, for instance, maybe some of our listeners maybe don't know that album. Explain sort of the sound they're going to hear. Well, I, I wanted to to kind of create a piece of music that knows no separation between the the band and the orchestra. You know, I think a lot, it's very easy to do a record where it's like, and you see it all the time, like, you know, an artist with strings, you know, and and it's it's clear that like it's kind of a flavor. The orchestral thing is a flavor or a touch, but I, I really wanted to kind of dive in and 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 make it feel like one massive you know, 64 piece band, you know? So I, I kind of wrote from the very beginning, I wrote every piece of music with the orchestra, like integrated in, not just like I'm going to write the song and then I'll orchestrate it for a, you know, for a symphony orchestra. It was more like, Oh, it'd be really cool if this song started out with, you know, Moog bass and contrabass clarinet with flutes on the top, and then that's the intro, you know, or something. So I, I think if you're a listener and you're familiar with orchestral music, I think maybe you'll go and see something very fresh because it's it's like genre-wise as well. It's very much kind of jumping over borders and kind of melding unlikely combinations. And and if you're not an orchestral kind of you know aficionado. I, I think you you might be surprised at how accessible it is and, and um, like how kind of modern and, and kind of contemporary it sounds because we pull, you know, we're pulling elements from like Jay Dilla and like the hip hop world to Stravinsky to Bjork and Radiohead to gospel music and New Orleans music all in this one kind of suite. So I think it's kind of a, it's not a thing that you have to be super into orchestral music to like, but if you are, I think you'll maybe hear some new colors. Awesome. And speaking of that album, uh, so that's sort of what, what it will sound like. But in terms of sort of the the theme, I think I read that it's sort of mysteries of the forest. Explain. The idea was to. I'm I'm really fascinated by forests, you know, and so I I I tried to write each piece about a different forest that I've been to in my life, you know, um, and and you know, one is actually the the little wood behind my my old house in Virginia, actually. Um, one is, you know, in, on a mountain in, in Portugal. One is this really crazy swampy forest in Louisiana. Um, and, and one is kind of like not a real forest. It's like the, the, the kind of the kind of like the 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 dark wood in Snow White. You know, when I was a kid, I was terrified of this. You know, when you when once she runs through 
and and gets to like where the trees are kind of moving around and they have faces and it's, you know so I was just trying to kind of like paint pictures that describe these different things because the the forest is a very strange place it's kind of welcoming and and at the same time terrifying depending on on how you look at it or where you are so it kind of has this theme um but I think you can enjoy the music without knowing that it's not like right. essential knowledge it's just something that I use to help me kind of crystallize uh, musical ideas. Thanks for. Um, I thought I had gotten rid of those Snow White nightmares years ago. Thanks nice. for bringing them back. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. It, it is. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Actually, a little fu- fun aside. I, I think I read somewhere when that movie premiered at Radio City Music Hall back in like you know 1937. They uh, when the lights came up, they all the kids had peed all over the seats. It was that. <laughs> no, literally, it's it was that scary. So it worked. <laughs> well, that well, hopefully that won't happen at Kennedy Center. <laughs> The dry cleaning bill would be ridiculous. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, okay, cool. So, but there there is a little Virginia tie-in with the forest stuff. That's cool. Um, all right, cool. Well, speaking of which, take take me into more of that that local angle. You said where where was it? Clifton. You said. Yeah, yeah, Clifton. I went to Centerville High School in Fairfax County, but the town that I lived in was called Clifton. Okay, yeah. cool. How did you How did you get into music there? Did you Did you play in bands growing up in high school or anything? You know, I I did. My brother was in the high school jazz band at Centerville, and so I kind of followed in his footsteps and did the same. And actually, my band director, Dave Detweiler, is in the NSO. So we're inviting him to, to come up and play a solo awesome. on one of the tunes. It's really crazy, kind of a full full circle thing. I remember he used to kidnap me and a saxophone player from our high school and take us to Georgetown University on Wednesday nights to rehearse with with their big band because they were short, a couple guys, you know. So he did. He did. He was one of those directors that just like went way out of his way to kind of like to to help young budding musicians kind of develop, you know. And and so now it's really weird that he's going to be there. And then there's another guy, a trombone player named Victor Barranco, who I went to North Texas with. I went to music college with him uh, in the jazz studies department, and he's in the NSO too. <laughs> so it's just kind of crazy, like high school and college and childhood worlds all kind of colliding next week. I'm really excited about it. That is crazy. What, what um, before you mentioned Texas, because I know that's where you guys formed Snarky Puppy in 04, but before we move to that chapter in your life, stick on the, stick on the growing up uh, era. Uh, what what artist did you, did you get off on when you were growing up? Any, was it jazz artists or, or beyond? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I grew up with my dad's, like, record collection, you know, so I was way into, like, Led Zeppelin and Steely Dan and the Beatles and, you know, all this kind of classic rock stuff. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and then but my my dad also had like a bunch of like Stevie Wonder and 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 kind of James Brown, and kind of all that funk stuff. And then my brother was hitting me with all the jazz and world music uh, from his collection. So I I was I, my my listening tastes have always been pretty varied. You know, in addition to of course the the required dose of like Nirvana and Pearl Jam and stuff like that that was that was in my ears at school. So it was kind of all over the place. You know, I'm lucky that I had a family with good taste in music. Absolutely. Well, you need to listen to a wide range of stuff. I mean, everyone should. It informs so much. Uh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, take me into into when you guys formed then down in down in Texas. Uh, how did that actually come about, and how the hell did you come up with the name Snarky Puppy? You know, actually, the guy who initially came up with that name is is, is the tenor saxophone player in Bobby or in um, the tenor saxophone player in Bruce Hornsby's band. His name is Bobby Reed, huh. and he came up with that name for something. And then my brother was going to name 
a band that, but then he decided to name it something else. So the name just kind of was in my head for a long time. And, and I was, I had just finished my first year at the university of North Texas and I was writing music and, and wanted to do a gig. So I put a band together and booked, booked a show in the basement of a pizza place <laughs> in, in Denton, Texas. And I needed a name for the gig. And I was like, Oh, I'll just use snarky puppy. That's kind of a funny name. And I could put a dog photo on the poster and people will pay attention to it. And I just thought it'd be maybe one gig, two gigs, three gigs. And you know, and I'd, change direction or whatever and now it's like 14 years later and i'm stuck with this stupid name <laughs> <laughs> it's not stupid it's it would have been stupid if you said snarky pepperoni at the but snarky puppy is awesome dude that's awesome. kind of weird and, and i didn't even know that like skinny puppy existed at this time you know, i was like uh, an 18 year old like jazz kid you know so yeah. i i so yeah many regrets with the name but you can only do so much about it don't regret the name. I love it. I, it's catchy. You look down a list of uh, music venues going on, and I, I see that. Oh, man, I'm there. It's it's perfect. Uh, all right. Well, that's sort of the name. But how did you, um, outside of the name, how did you actually form the band itself with the initial members? Uh, well, they were just all friends of mine from uh, from college. Actually, we were all just like jazz nerds, <laughs> <laughs> jazz majors at North Texas, and. Yeah, I just kind of put together this group of guys that I thought would play the music well, and and we were off, you know. Absolutely, and now it's it's grown. I guess I assume it's just grown and grown over the years, and, and eventually it became. What, you guys are close to forty members now, is that right? The fam. I I don't know. Yeah, somewhere between twenty and forty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we it's kind of like a like a large band with a deep bench. Right. So right, right. I mean, it's kind of like the the line between band member and. Occasional band member is pretty blurry. It's just kind of like a big family of musicians. I gotcha. I gotcha. That that's crazy. But how how do you pick up every now and then? You, you know, you how do you keep adding your new pieces? Is it just people you meet while you're out on the road, or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, if there's you know, if we need another, like if all of our guitar players are busy, we need to get another guitar player. We call somebody that we know will be right, and they kind of come in with the music learned and the rest of the band obviously has been playing the music for a long time so they kind of slip right in and it's nice it injects kind of a new fresh flavor to the to the personality of the band all right cool but but i I believe this is the first time i know you guys have done live orchestral stuff over overseas but is this the first time that you've done it in the u.s or in north america it's the first time we've ever performed silva in in north america yeah wow that's true What what are some, where are yeah. some of the other places overseas that you've played with big? Because you're doing NSO this time, but what are some of the other ones? We did um, two gigs in the Netherlands with the Metropole Orchestra. Mm-hmm. We did a gig at the very famous Olympia Theater in Paris. We did one in Coutances in Normandy for a festival there. We did one in Stavanger, Norway. We did um, just recently. We went over and played. God, where was it? <laughs> <laughs> really, I oh, we played in uh, Bremen, okay. um, in Germany, and and somewhere else that I can't remember. I, it's it's all been Europe. It's actually all, every every show that we've done so far has been in, has been in Europe. So I'm excited about this to bring it bring it back home. You know. Yeah, this, so this is a treat. Everyone here will get to, not not only is it your home, it's the first time anyone in the U.S. or, or North America, for that matter, will see this kind of a thing. This is great. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I'm excited. That's cool. Well, 
we thank you for, for joining us and taking the time. You've been generous with your time, man. We'll let you get back to work. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you, man. See you soon. All right. Sounds good. See you out there. It's right. the Kennedy Center uh, Snarky Puppy with NSO Pops. Thanks, Michael League. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.